everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Would you put your hands together? Help me welcome all of our first-time guests, both online as well as right here in the room. Don't you love technical difficulties? I could just say, we did that totally on purpose because no one ever pays attention to the announcements, but you did today, didn't you? Check that. We didn't do that on purpose, but anyway. Hey, uh, I do want to highlight the announcement that you heard one of the two times, and that is that uh, right after the third service today, we will be having First Step and uh, I want to invite you if you've never been. It's a great time for us to have a conversation, uh, to get to meet you personally, answer any questions you have, talk about who we are as a church, and honestly try to help you discover if this is the church that God has for you to be a part of. And then if so, what comes next for you? If you're online, simply text First Step to the number you see on the screen. Uh, we have free food and free childcare here in the building. At home, you got to take care of that yourself. Uh, so, hey, as you can tell, today is different. And so we want to go ahead and get into the message, but we're not going to be talking about Moses today. We're going to, we're going to pick Moses and his series back up next week. Uh, if you were here last week, I told you that Grace Life has the privilege of hosting our annual conference for our family of churches. And so as soon as we knew that was happening, because the keynote speaker is a very good friend of mine and has a, a personal life story that is just so powerful, uh, it's what he has actually uh, decided to do at this season of life. He used to be lead pastor, planted a church 22 years ago, grew it to over 10,000 people and transitioned that to someone else. And now he travels uh, the world sharing something that God has been doing him throughout our life. And so we want to take the opportunity to get... Do we have technology that's going to work today? That's all I got to say. But anyway, we have the privilege of hosting the conference and saying we get the keynote speaker here on Sunday morning. So with that being said, would you put your hands together? Help me give a grace life welcome to Toby Slough, everybody. Well, hey, everyone. How are you? That was not enthusiastic. I don't know if you could hear that online, but these people sound sad, tired, and sick. How is everyone? Just a little side note, the more enthusiastic you are, the shorter I preach. And I just leave that up to y'all. I am so grateful to be here. I know that every time you have a guest speaker, that's what they say. I am. I have told your pastor three times now behind that curtain, hug him and just say thank you. I am honored to share this platform and my life message with you today. Uh, You know, Jimmy and Ramona and Kent and Lane and I got connected together and just in a supernatural way on a trip and I I am old enough to know that God's greatest gift are friendships. And so if you're looking for a church and you are new to Grace Life, I'll tell you what I told a guy out there. If you're looking for a perfect church, please do not join this church because by biblical definition, it would no longer be perfect if you were in it. (laughs) Think about that. But if you're looking for a place where people love Jesus and, and really want to see the kingdom come, in our lifetime, this is a good place. I need to give you a little bit of context just about me personally, because I think it will help you receive whatever God has for you today. Do you believe you just got up and came to church, or do you think God has a word for you today? Yeah. Right? Uh, first, let me tell you a couple of things about me. Number one, I'm going to cry here in the next 30 minutes. I just, at some point, there's nothing wrong with me. I've been to the doctor. I went to my personal physician that I've had for now almost 12 years and said, I need a blood test. And he said, why? And I said, because I am crying like a little girl who got her lunch taken at recess. I need to know, do I need an estrogen blocker? Do I need a testosterone booster? 
serious. And he said, okay, did a blood test and said, you're a sentimental old man. Just live with it. So I am, but I'm okay if you go, what's wrong with him? I'm just sentimental. Number two, I always like to, as Jimmy said, I've been traveling literally around the country, around the world. But when I come to a town, a city that is on the coast, it brings back so many memories for me. I flew in, that plane turned, and I saw the coastline, and I grew up on the Texas Gulf Coast. So like many of you, I grew up in a place where going to the beach was like going to a park for kids in other places, right? My dad was a high school coach. My mom was an elementary school teacher. Uh, We didn't have any money, so we went to the beach because it was free all the time. I am, like many of you, I am an adult man who hates the beach. Can I get a witness from anybody in here? Who hates the beach as bad as me? And you guys at home, like, I'm not kidding, I hate the beach. Like, sand in my sandwich and my shorts is not a pleasant experience, right? And I don't know if you know this or not, but I am follically challenged. And like, as the sun moves, I have to keep moving the umbrella so that you can't fry egg on top of my head. But most of all, I would say this, why would you go to the beach if you don't want to get in the water? Like I, 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 am, I am not going to get in the water, the ocean water. There's stuff swimming under there. Uh, I have an unhealthy, irrational, very real fear of drowning in the ocean. I really do, I was eight years old, Dinner was over, I couldn't make this up. My parents are talking, they're talking about a family friend who had drowned down at Surfside Beach in Texas where we lived. He was surf fishing, he had drowned. In fact, I called my dad when I was writing my book to say, hey dad, is this, did I think this up or this really happened? He said, no, we had six people, family friends who had drowned surf fishing. And I'm a little eight-year-old boy. I say, Dad, how does somebody drown there in water up to here? He said, well, son, he says, the the ocean floor isn't even, and there's a huge uh, undertow, and sometimes if you step in a hole and stumble, your waders begin to fill up, and it'll draw you, it'll pull you out, and it'll be days before they find you. And then he was just like any other dad. So Toby, look at me. You have to be careful at the beach. Had this little conversation, no big deal. Go to bed that night, lying in bed. I know none of you have this problem, but my problem for my entire life has been, like I start thinking, what if I drown at the beach? How long before they found me? You you know when you lay in bed and that movie plays in your head? It's never a highlight film, is it? And what if I died at the beach? What would my funeral be like? Who would come? And how many of you know that the longer you think about something, the more likely it moves from what if to this is going to happen? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? And so the focus of your life is determined by what you think. And I went to sleep that night. No kidding. Jesus listening. I went to sleep that night. Tears running down the side of my face saying, please, God, don't let me drown. Don't let me drown. I had no idea that that would be 
the most often prayed prayer of my life for the next 50 years. Not drowning in water, but drowning in my mental unhealth. I'll tell you more of the story in a moment, but 30 years ago, I was diagnosed with an acute anxiety and panic disorder. And when it comes, it hits me like a wave. I'm out of control. I can't pray it away. I can't wish it away. I feel like I'm drowning. Please, God, don't let me drown. Is there any more relevant topic for America today? We feel like we're drowning, don't we? For, unless this room is an exception, for at least 50% of the room, you like me are battling depression, anxiety, at some level feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed by that feeling in life. It's holding you back. Uh, please God, don't let me drown. The sad thing is, Everywhere I go, what I discover is that many of you truly believe that drowning is your destiny. <laughs> that the Christian life, the abundant life that Jesus promised is somehow keeping your neck above water until God calls you home. You know who's struggling the most? Our kids. Harvard produced a study that said for kids 18 and below, pre-COVID, 33% were exhibiting signs of anxiety, depression, or what I call feeling overwhelmed by life. Do you know what it was post-COVID? 64%. And look at me, everybody. It's not getting better. I get asked on television shows and radio shows and podcasts all the time, do you think that the pandemic caused it or accelerated it? The answer is yes. Like our, our kids' bodies that are developing and growing, their brains that are forming, they were not designed to live in the kind of uncertainty that they've had to live in for these extended periods of time. I have a grandson who is a first grader. When he was in kindergarten, he was getting on a bus, going to kindergarten. It was three months before he could tell his mom what anyone in his class looked like because they were all wearing masks. Not, not a political statement, just reality of where we lived. Please, God, don't let me drown. Now, I'm a Jesus guy. He is my way. He is my truth. He is my life. I ain't got no hope outside of the real resurrected person of Jesus Christ. He's not a myth. He's not something that gets me by. <laughs> I don't love Jesus simply because one day in eternity, I won't be in hell. I need Jesus to not be in hell on Monday, tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know how people live without him. I couldn't. And one of the, my favorite things that Jesus says is that you will know the truth and the truth will set you 
Do you realize the inverse of that is true as well? That a lie believed has the same potential for power to imprison you that the truth has to set you free. Let me say that again for those of you who aren't paying attention. A lie believed has the same powerful potential to hold you in captivity that the truth does to set you free. So I need to know and fight for the truth. Because feelings are a poor indicator of the direction of my life. Look at me, everyone. You ought to feel your feelings. Like not feeling your feelings is unhealthy. Almost as unhealthy as letting your feelings be the steering wheel of your life. I need something more solid than that in my life. I need the truth. So what I want to do in the 24 minutes we have together today, if it'll be okay with you, is I just want to share from my life story the three lies that I fight the most in my battle for my mental health. Will that be okay with everybody? There are three I've spent a long time thinking about and distilling down. What are the lies that you fight the most when you're battling for your mental health? Now, hear me, I am not giving you three ways to eliminate your anxiety. I'm not, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you, here's four easy steps to no longer have depression. I'm giving you lies that I have fought that when I am losing the battle in my thinking, I'm losing the battle for my mental wellness. Okay, so if you have a piece of paper, I would encourage you to write these down. Number one, I fight this lie of believing that problems signal the absence of God in my life. I have at a subconscious level, not what I preach, not what I teach, what I theologically I understand, but in, deep down within me, subconsciously, I believe that when problems come, God must not be there. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'll take one more step. You want me to be vulnerable today? When problems come, I start believing sometimes that there must be something wrong with God or something wrong with me. Or that the Bible works for everybody else, but not for me. I just don't find that in Scripture. Let's ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You want to? You understand that when they refused to bow their knee to authority and were threatened to be thrown into a fire, they didn't say, this is awesome, it's going to be in the Bible someday. Right? Like, they, they are making a choice. That, was God with them? I'm asking you a question. This is going to take a long time. Y'all don't answer me. Was God with them? Did they go in the fire? Oh, so he saved them through the fire, not from the fire. Daniel decides he's more fearful of not praying than he is of a lion. And God's response was to throw him in a pit, right? Allow him to be in a pit. Not save him from the pit, but save him through the pit. See Jesus, this really offends Christians. See Jesus in every way man, which is the power 
of the incarnation of God in Jesus. We have no problem with its deity. It's his humanity that jacks us up a little bit. In every man, face first on the dirt, snot running down his face, tears coming out of his eyes, saying, please God, don't let me do this. We jump to the not thy will, not my will, but yours be done because it makes us feel more comfortable. But God didn't save him from the cross. <laughs> he saved us through the cross. We all want to be resurrected. Nobody wants to die. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a problem, you get to choose. You don't have to like it. Praise God. I, my tire went flat. That's dumb. That's artificial. But what you can do is you can say, oh, wow, I have a challenge that I cannot overcome. There is more potential for God to work in my life in this moment <laughs> than if I had no problems at all. How many of you have a life verse? Like a life verse. It's okay. Raise your hand. Two hands if you're curious. Matter. How many of you have a life verse? You, you know, I wish I had time today because if I had time today, I'd say, hey, let's go around the room and you tell me what your life verse is. And I know that like all of you would say things like, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I can do all things because those are happy in their own coffee cups. You don't pick your life verse. Your life verse picks you, right? It, it's true. Like your life verse picks you. Like mine is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The greatest missionary this side of the cross is a man named Paul, right? And Paul says that he is having, he's, he's having revelations that are taking him to the third heaven, which I'm sure Jimmy can answer that question for you later about what the third heaven revelation was. Pastor Jimmy's a great theologian. Just ask him. But he said to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. There was giving to me a thorn in the flesh. Now don't miss this next little phrase. You anxiety sufferers, depression sufferers. A messenger of Satan to torment me. You feel, tor you ever feel tormented? Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. We don't know if it's three days, three hours, three months, three years. I don't know if he's a literal three, but over a period of time, here's his number one prayer. God, I don't, please take this tormenting thorn in the flesh away from me. But he said to me, no, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Who puts that on a coffee cup? Three times I asked God, I had one prayer and he said, no, I don't think so. Please, God, take it away. No. Please, God, take it away. No. And finally, Paul realized that God was going to do his best work in not his highlights, but his lowlights. <laughs> that God's best work was not going to come from his mountaintop experiences in Paul's life. It was going to be when he had nothing left because God had to show up. But that's my life verse for 30 years. I've said, God, take it away. But problems don't signal 
the absence of God. Look at me, everybody. If you don't hear anything else I say today, which is kind of a dumb thing pastors say because you want them to hear everything. But I want you to hear me say this. Freedom is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone in the middle of it. Your freedom is not the absence of a problem. It's a tapping into God's power in the middle of what you're dealing with. That either God is good or he's not. Either God is present or he's not. But he doesn't feel good. Well, feelings are a terrible steering wheel. Well, it does, he just seems so far away. Well, that feels right. It's just not right. He is very near. God's presence does not signal the absence. And number two, faith doesn't fix everything. Like, I need to say this. If you're battling for your mental health, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You're not unspiritual. (laughs) You don't. It's not, you're just not good enough. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Faith doesn't keep you from experiencing things. Faith gets you through things. You know why you're battling anxiety or depression? Because you're human. And we live in a fallen world. Like, I'm not better than anybody that doesn't know Jesus. I just have something they don't have. It's called the person of the Holy Spirit who empowers me. (laughs) But it's not a level of my faith whether or not I have a panic attack. Like, I, I grew up in the quit being a baby generation. That was my dad. Just rub some dirt on it. Look at this big bald dude right here because you and me, same generation. I can say bald because I am. Don't worry, it's not negative. <laughs> but right, like, just rub some dirt. You'll get over it. You know what, the, like, in today's church world, but it breaks my heart, I hear it from well-intentioned teachers that I know don't mean it. When they say, just pray harder, just read your Bible more. What it's just like my dad's version, just get over it. Don't be a baby. That was my dad. Don't be a baby. You know what? All of you that are looking at me that have young kids, you know what your battle is? It's not don't be a baby. It's, oh, you poor baby. Let me fix it for you. Let me pull you out of school. Let's change all this atmosphere around your world because she's just anxious. Oh, the reason this happened because he's just, he's depressed. Hey, look, man, it's real. Like my anxiety is real, but it's not who I am. (laughs) It's not my identity. I am a son of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? There is a difference between my condition and my position. I may not be conquering at the moment, but I'm a conqueror. That's who I am. Like when I had panic attacks, I had one two or three months ago, one of the worst ones I've had in five or six years. I don't panic about panic. I'm not going to live in shame. That's That's destructive for me. I'm just going to tell the devil, you ain't beating me, man. (laughs) Like for me, winning after a panic attack is I get up and do what God has called me to do. Like getting my butt off the couch sometimes is the win. I don't 
You gotta play scared sometimes. You gotta play hurt sometimes. Like if you can get to the place where, man, my faith is gonna get me through at some level. What can the devil do to you? What's he gonna do to me? For 30 years, I've been in this thorn in the flesh battle. I've won some and I've lost some. I'm still standing. I've been married for 36 years. I got two kids that love Jesus, married to people who love Jesus. Like, can I say this? Anxiety sucks, but here's the deal. I'm still walking. He ain't winning. I'm still happy 99% of the time. I have joy in my spirit. I'm optimistic about my future. He beat me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. This ain't some like motivational speech. This is just, you gotta get out of this victim mentality crap. It's killing you. You're not a victim. That's not who you are. And when your condition doesn't, ma- doesn't match your position, you've got to declare what your position is. Like you've got to find some tools, not to eliminate those issues, but to help you thrive through those issues, right? Like for me, I called a pastor friend 15, 18 years ago, I was struggling. I said, man, I need some help. Because see, here's the deal. Your problem is not your depression. Your problem is the shame about your depression. Depression, your shame will always lead you to isolation. Isolation fires up your imagination. And your imagination is not bringing highlights, as I said a moment ago. So I'm not going to isolate and let shame rule my life. I, I, I fear, in my spirit, I fear that if I'm fully known, I won't be fully loved. Right? It's why people don't tell the truth in Christian circles. Here's the problem with that. You know how God created me? I can't be fully loved unless I'm fully known. So I'm not giving in to isolation. What I'm doing is I'm pulling out one of my tools. Put in my back pocket today. It's what Pastor Jacob Aranza told me 18 years ago. You go Google the 40 I am's, 40 statements that who God says you are, write them on a card and say them out loud. Pick the ones that are the hardest for you to believe to be true and you speak them. See, our faith is verbal, right? You, it's hard, I know, for you guys to see, and I really, they're too private to let people take pictures for screens. Like, these are smudged and all beat up. I've had them 18 years. That's dirt and snot and tears. It's what it is. It's a tool where I declare my position when it's not my condition. Like, when you worship and sing a song that you, is, you're having a hard time believing, that's not hypocrisy, it's called faith. And God rewards your faith. This is how I exercise my faith. Doesn't eliminate the problem, but it helps me get through where I am. Faith doesn't fix everything. Number three, quickly. Because y'all got some free stuff in that one. I want every service, I want Jimmy to stay engaged, so I'm trying to give him something new. Um, (laughs) What's he going to say now? This is the biggest one for me. My strategy is the same as God's purpose for my life. You go, what does that mean? Thanks for asking. Uh, So every one of you, if you're breathing, you, you were created on purpose for a purpose. Every one of you. There's a call of God on your life which means God has called you, created you, designed you, and gifted you for something greater than yourself. 
right? And until you're living that, you'll never be fulfilled. So what happens to most of us is there's a call of God in our lives in whatever area. When I say call, people always say, well, I need to work at a church. Please don't. <laughs> like, I'm, we need butchers and bakers and candlestick makers and doctors and professionals. We need the kingdom spread out, not all souped up in a building. But when God calls you, what you do is you go make a plan for how you're going to fulfill God's call or strategy on your life, right? That's a good thing. It's not unspiritual. Jesus said, which of you, if you're building a tower, wouldn't stop first to make a plan? Planning is spiritual. Here's the problem. Your plan for your call on your life is always up and to the right. And it never works that way. And then you start confusing God's call. It wasn't his plan. It was your plan. Right, And we get discouraged and we release the plan because especially in America, we think if it's hard, God must not be in it. <laughs> like the indicator that God's in my marriage is it's easy. Well, there's like a theological word for that, El Crapo. That's not true. <laughs> so it's up and to the right. And when it doesn't go that way, we let go of God's call because it's not going the way we wanted it to go. So I'm in college. Abilene Christian University, a small Christian college in a very sweet, ugly town in West Texas. It's my sophomore year. My wife and I have just gotten engaged. We got engaged our sophomore year because I was losing my hair and I wanted to marry her before she figured it out. <laughs> True story. Well, she was more spiritual than that, but it wasn't. And I'll never forget, it was God's, I, this was the night that I, I got God, God's call. It happened during the announcements, which means you guys ought to pay more attention during the announcements, even when they run them twice. <laughs> they were asking for volunteers to work with high school and middle school students. And I had this deep conviction that I didn't just want to go to church. I wanted to be a part of a family. You don't get any life out of just showing up every week. You'll get a little encouragement, but it's not going to change your life. When you invest here at Grace Life, when you say, I'm going to help move the ball forward, what can I do to move the ball, not what can they do for me, your life will change. That was free. Some of you came for that. Um, and so I signed up and I started, you know, how many of you know that if you're asking for student pass, student workers, like if you're breathing and show up, you're going to be elevated. They're going to just give you more. And I went from leading a little group to leading the entire junior high ministry. And I told my wife, I think we are called to be in full-time ministry in a local church for the rest of our life because I was getting life from it and God was using it. And uh, we did youth ministry for 10 or so years. We moved to a little town called South Lake, Texas, which is not very little anymore. And I took uh, the lead pastor role in a church of about 100 people. The church had quintupled in size. I had two young kids, a beautiful wife, and I'm driving down the interstate called I-35 towards Fort Worth one day when I thought, if I hit this bridge abutment at 75 miles an hour, will my family know that I did it on purpose? Micah hates when I tell this, but it's like, some of you need to know. Like, I know where you are. I know what it's like to fool yourself into believing that the world would be better without you.
to be completely devoid of hope. I got that way because for the 17 days before that, I hadn't slept. 17 days before that, I woke up in the middle of the night. My heart was beating fast. My breath was coming. I was sweating. I didn't know what was happening. You guys know, I had never heard the word depression or anxiety all of 30 years ago. Nobody talked about that stuff. I'd never heard the words. I didn't know about counseling. The only word I'd ever heard is my dad telling me about a great uncle who had a nervous breakdown and walked down the middle of town naked thinking he was Jesus. And I wouldn't know part of that deal. And so for 17 days, man, I just walked the hall of my house all night while Michael was sleeping because if you're fully known, you're not going to be fully loved. So you can't tell anybody. And I'm pastoring the church. They'll fire me. She'll leave me. All those movies, people would walk up to me at church and go, wow, pastor, you're, you're losing weight. Are you working out? I wanted to say, no, I'm throwing up, which I was all the time. And I began to see a counselor. Then I saw another one. Then I saw another one. There are several counselors. If you come to Dallas at the lake, says SS Toby, I bought them those boats through the years. <laughs> began to peel back the layers of those onions, figure out what some of my issues were. And on my, good, on my bad days, I would tell Michael, we need to quit, man. The church deserves a stronger pastor than me. On my good days, I would tell her, you know what? God is going to take this away from me and I'm going to go around the world and I'm going to sell books and my story and I'm just going to help people get a picture of what it looks like to not have anxiety. Uh, and we planted a church, as Jimmy said, that could be the first place people like me would go when they were struggling. Uh, and yet it never happened. Like I'm, if you're looking for somebody who says, here's what it's like on the other side, I'm still in it. I pray every day for God to lift it off of me. I just don't need him to do it to believe that he's real. Like a conditional relationship with a God that loves me unconditionally is dysfunctional. I've stood in Mumbai, India with 30,000 people almost one night and ask people to stand if they were struggling, 70% of the room stood up. I got unsolicited emails about how God had supernaturally lifted it off of them. Is it not like crazy that God is using me to do that and I'm still struggling? But see, his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And so I finally, at our 20 year anniversary as a church, I wrote a book, it was called Not Yet. Uh, I didn't want to write it it's kind of like counseling, you know, you got to open Pandora's box and it makes you sick all over again. But I wrote it. The problem I was having was in that last chapter of that book, my publisher psyched me out. It's got to be, you have to have something memorable. And, you know, when they tell you it's got to be good, it makes it hard to come up with something good. All I could think about was a salmon fish. Y'all know the Pacific Northwest and they swim. Everybody goes watch them swim upstream. Some of y'all act like y'all have seen it. It'll make me feel better. Yeah. Right? It just was cliche. Everybody's heard about a salmon, right? So I went to my, my favorite research assistant, Mrs. Google, and I put in, <laughs> what's another fish like a salmon fish? And what came up was these articles about a fish called a goby, G-O-B-Y fish, a goby fish. And I began to read about this one species. It's only found in one certain island of Hawaii, right off the big island. And they spent the first 
major half of their life in the salt water. And then when the tide is just right, don't miss that part. When the tide is just right, they start swimming upstream. They swim up these waterfalls and they spend the second half of their life in these pools, freshwater pools at the top of the big island. Here's crazy, everybody. Halfway up, I've seen pictures, their bottom jaw starts growing out. So they have more suction and leverage to grab onto the rocks because as the steeper it gets, the more they need power to climb and grab the next rock to get to the top. Do you understand that when the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, that is much more than when you see a beautiful starry night, you think about how big God is. It means if you want to know how the kingdom works, look at creation. God who created creation gives you illustrations of how his invisible kingdom works. And he showed me that night, that day, reading that article, that the very thing I was running from was the very thing God wanted to use to transform me into the man that he had called me to be. So I wrote the book. We released the book. We were doing the last week of the series. I didn't really know what to do with the Gobi fish. So I went back to my trusty assistant, Mrs. Google, and I put in there how to draw a fish. And for six hours, I watched a six-minute YouTube video on how to draw a cartoon fish. Had a legal pad and was just drawing it. Called my creative team and says, hey, I need five easels, five boards. What are you going to do? I'm going to draw a fish and tell a story about a little goby fish. Well, what are you going to call it? I go, it's, my name's Toby. The fish is goby. It's from Jesus. Toby the goby. It rhymes. And they said, you can't draw fish. I said, of course I can. I've been watching a YouTube video for six hours. You can do anything. <laughs> and so that Thursday night, the first service of our weekend, like here at Grace Life, I drew the story of Toby the Goby and said, hey, you can do hard things because God is with you. You just have to keep your eyes on the sun. It's all about the position of the sun. And you can help others along the way. And I went to my daughter-in-law, who is a graphic designer, who's been asked to do things for Disney. I mean, she's kind of higher level. And I said, do you want to live your high school dream? You want to help me write a book? And guess what? A pandemic hit two months later. What that gave us was time. I don't know if you know this or not, but like I wasn't being booked into any churches with not yet because nobody was having services. I was supposed to come here. And so we released Toby the Goby and everybody... It exploded. You want to know why it exploded? Why it just caught so much fire? Because in America today, the top three tools that we have for kids are weighted blankets. This is a small one because I was on an airplane. Weighted blankets. Fidget spinners. And scented Play-Doh. They're top three selling items to help kids with. Look, I'm not against weighted blankets. I got a fidget spinner. I'm not even against Play-Doh, but can we not do better than that in the church? Do we not have something better than this? This is the Chicago fire of our generation. We have a chance to share the gospel with people this is what every parent is talking about in every car line in America. <laughs> and we have the truth. And so we built, I mean, for the last six months, we've been traveling all over this country. 
<laughs> talking about a little fish, my favorite little fish, Toby the Gobi, and how here's some tools that we'll put in your hands so that you can connect the power of God to the very real issues your kids are facing. Teach them. They can do hard things because God's with them. But they have to keep their eyes on the sun. I think my favorite tool in the book, some of you will see it when you get one today, you get to draw the fish and the reason we have a place for you to draw the fish is so you can talk to your kids about what's hard for them. It's conversation starters. By the way, it, this is huge on college campuses. It's crazy. Um, but my favorite tool is we rewrote these 40 IMs into a kid's version. You know my old grandson Gideon I told you about? He battles what I battle. That's seven. I'm gonna show you a, a picture of him. He picked five of the 40 IMs for kids and just printed, his mom printed them off for him and he wanted to tape them by his bed to remember that he was more than a conqueror and that God was keeping him safe. <laughs> to connect God's power <laughs> to that little boy's heart. And we're going to college campuses be at the University of Arkansas next week, speaking to a, men's to a men's fraternity. We're headed to Costa Rica next month to release this in the Spanish version in South America. I am living a dream that I had 30 years ago, and it's not anything like how I thought it was going to play out. But see, God works for the good of those who love him and are called into it according to his purpose. And look at me, sweet girl that's struggling back over here that I don't even know who you are. But God is showing me, listen to me. You have more strength than you think you have. <laughs> you have more power than you think you have. It's not going to look the way you want it to look, but God is good, man. He's with you. Just keep swimming. Keep your eyes on the sun. So we're building a community around this country. A uh, community where uh, people can talk about these issues. A community where we can hand free resources to people. In fact, we built something called Gobi Care that for 16 weeks, once a week, we'll digitally deliver some encouragement or some tool to you for you and for you to help your kid. By the way, moms and dads, look at me. Harvard did a study last year, the number one indicator of the mental wellness of your child. Guess what it is? It's your mental wellness. The greatest gift you can give your child is a mentally healthy you. And so we're building this community. That's what that QR code is. You can just, if you put your camera up toward it, a website will come up. If you don't know how to do it, ask a young person around you. <laughs> and again, we're not, this go be caring, these resources, free, man. We're not I'm not trying to sell stuff. I'm trying to build a community and change the world. Uh, and get people talking about stuff they've never talked about. I'm watching, some of you know David McQueen, one of your overseers here. We had guys come up at his church when we launched this and they bought boxes of books to pass out to kids because it's time for us to like quit looking at ourselves and get back to sharing the gospel again. Don't y'all think? You had a guy in our last service here, I told Pastor Jimmy, I just met him. He's a sheriff, from the sheriff's department. He wants, he's gonna, wants to put a box of books in the back of his car and pass them out on calls. When there's, I mean, what we need is in Columbia, South Carolina, we need like a move of God among God's people to get out there with the message of the gospel to meet people where they are and to help them know that Jesus really is the answer.
Who's with me? I'll, I'll say this and I'll pray, man. Like this journey has been harder than I ever imagined. It has been sweeter than I could have ever dreamed. Like your life might be harder than you could ever imagine, but with Jesus, man, it could be sweeter than you ever thought. Don't ask me if God does miracles. I am a miracle. 30 years ago, trying to take my life to get to do this with people I love today. It is the honor of my life, man. So I just want to pray for you. Can we just bow our heads? Would you close your eyes? Not because I want to do something weird. I just want everybody to feel like it's private. Some people can see as me and I'm crying like a little girl at recess. So you're where I can't see nothing. So Father, I just thank you. Who's struggling with me today? Who's been where I am? Come on, I am sitting up here crying. You can at least raise your hand as an act of faith wherever you are in the room. Just raise your hand. It's okay. Come on, man. I know some of you men are battling and it's, it makes you feel like a girl, which is okay, except for you're not a girl. And I, I get that. That's where I am sometimes. Father, thank you for your power, your strength. Thank you for this moment of Pentecost where everybody gets to hear in their own language. Thank you for being manna, enough for today. That you promise enough strength for today. I pray healing, blessing, the power of your spirit. Most of all, I pray in this moment for people to surrender again all of their stuff to Jesus. For some of you, it's the first time. Jesus, I give you my life. Some of you, it's the 10th time. Jesus, again, I give you my life. Thank you, Father, for saving us from ourselves. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Come on, somebody, can you say it with me? Amen and amen. Bless you. Love you. Thank you.